0: message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. If you guys would open your, your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, and while you're opening there, I'll just... A quick prayer. Father, we thank you for this morning. As we come to your word, we ask for your spirit to lead and to guide, that your words would be many and mine would be very few. Uh, that you would teach us, that you would instruct us to fully understand you and to live a life that is pleasing and glorifying to you. And Father, we we pray also for Texas and the devastation that's going on in there. And I, I pray for the families who have suffered loss uh, through death and destruction uh, that you would comfort them and that through all this, uh, your glory would shine. And that people would see that you are the one true God. That your hand moves in every situation. So we just pray for Your name to be glorified. In Jesus' holy name, said, amen. amen. So, Matthew chapter 6. What I want to do is read actually from verse 16 to 34 just so that we get a context of our verses for this morning. In verse 16. Whenever you fast... Do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So then your eyes to be clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great that darkness! No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. By being worried, can add a single hour to his life. And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. Do they not? They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Do not Worry then, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your Heavenly Father knows that you need them all. For Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So when you look at this, we have to ask ourselves, well, you know, what is treasure? What is that that Jesus is talking about? Because our, our, our passage this morning is 19 through 24. Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moth and rust will destroy it, thieves will come in and, and take it. But treasure can take on many forms, can't it? Because it's not only the physical, but also it is what we garner, what we deem to be important. What we deem to be that which completes us. Whether it's the praise of men, whether it's uh, status as far as a position, where we live, All these things, it's just whatever we deem to be that highest pinnacle, that is treasure. Whether we possess it or not, it's that which our heart is driven towards, that which our passion is pursuing with all intensity. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, don't store up for yourselves treasures here on earth. Because they will pass away. But that which is heavenly is eternal. And it's interesting, the reason I read 16 through 34 is that if you look at where this passage is situated, it is between the spiritual and the physical. When you look at verses 1 through 4, and then. Also, 16, 17, and 18, what is it? They're, they're, he's describing how the Pharisee will be in prayer, where they give their alms openly. They do all this so that man will praise them. They fast, they look gloomy because, oh, you know, they, they put the dark circles under their eyes, they don't wash their face because, oh, I'm so hungry, but you know what, I'm, I'm doing it for God. I'm, oh God, you know, get that falafel away from me. And it's all for, for but, but it's for show. He says, you know what? They've received their reward in full. There is no heavenly reward if you're doing it for yourself. John in chapter 12, he says even that the Pharisees they wanted, they desired the praise of men rather than the praises of God. These are men that were supposed to be holy, but rather than wanting God's praise for their life, they'd rather, they wanted men. That's why they were jealous of Jesus, and they looked to kill Him. Because people started to hear His words, and they understood who God was, and they wanted to follow Jesus. It's like, whoa, wait a second. We don't have control over the people anymore. We've got to do something about this. For them, that's what their treasure was. So Jesus is saying, let's not do this. You know, and, and Jesus is putting it here in this place, and he's kind of showing that. It's like, you know what? Where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. If your heart's for, for the praises of man, for the elevation of your own status, well, that's, that's really where your heart is. If your treasure's going to be after the physical things, a nice house, not, not that any of it's wrong, but if that's where your heart is, if that's what your goal is, then that's where your heart is. And he just kind of sandwiches this passage right in between these two areas. And it's interesting, because as I was reading this, it's one of these, these, these points of how we conduct ourselves in this world as Christians. And it's something that has been a struggle since the beginning of creation. It's not something that's new to this time area or, or for us. Because when you look at the creation of the angels, there was one who was the light bearer of God, the most beautiful of angels. His name was Lucifer. And yet, being with God, His creator, mind you, the one that put Him into existence wasn't enough for Him. He said, no, look at me, I am beautiful. Talk about narcissist. He thought himself to be more beautiful than God himself. And he was not satisfied with being God's light bearer. He's like, no, 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 no. I need somebody shining a light on me. I need, I don't know if any of you have seen the movie Braveheart, but uh, there's a scene where it's like... uh, King Edward's son, prince, I don't even remember his name, but he's walking and he's got his male friend with him and they're walking through the castle and his his bride is there with her attendant and he's walking and he's got a guy with a mirror walking in front, backwards, so that the prince and his male counterpart could look at themselves in the mirror adjusting their sashes and whatnot. And it's like, wow, you know, it's like a little full of yourself here. And that's kind of, you know, Lucifer was full of himself and said, you know what, I think I can esteem to greater than God. And he was able to convince a third of the angels and they tried to to do a coup and they got thrown down, obviously, because nobody's more powerful than God. But that was where his treasure lied. Laid. I never know those words. <laughs> Lay, So, his, his own deception of what true treasure was cost him everything. To where his eternity is in the lake of fire. And he took down a third of the angels with him. But Jesus says that the purpose of treasure that we find rest in heaven has an eternal security. It's not one that's going to be wiped away. It's not going to be taken away. It's not going to diminish in value. Scriptures speak of God recompensing us according to our works, according to our deeds, how we live our life. And it's important for us that we're able to understand What constitutes right living before God? What is it to be humble before God and before man? And it's, when you think about how God rewards, and it's a struggle, because sometimes we see people in the world getting blessed. We're not. But God blesses all of His children in the here and now and eternally. When we receive Christ, we receive the greatest reward of all salvation. We sing a song today, Christ alone. No one can pluck you out of the hand of the Father. No one. Romans 8, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Your eternal security is secure by the blood of Christ. Ephesians 1.13 says that we have been given a seal, a deposit guaranteeing our salvation to the day of redemption because God has put the Holy Spirit inside of us. That can't be taken away. The greatest treasure of all is ours. It won't diminish. A thief can't come in. Rust can't get it. The moth isn't going to eat it. But even beyond that, what does God give us? He gives us through the Spirit, we have the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. We have all this given to us by the Holy Spirit that we can rest in. Nothing can take that away from us. There is no situation in life, there is no circumstance that you and I go through that robs us of that love, that peace, that joy, that gentleness, that kindness. Nothing can take that from us, we give it away. We allow our circumstance to change our perspective. And thus we then give away the joy that God has so graciously imparted in us through the Holy Spirit. We allow a relationship to come in and affect us to where we no longer have the peace of God, but rather we strike back in anger. We have circumstances in our life where we don't allow God's gentleness to rest on us, but rather we get frustrated, we get anxious, and we start to act out in our own. So God is saying, store for yourself treasures in heaven, have that which I have imparted to you, and live with that power, that security. Because that is what lasts. Lasts. There's nothing in this world that we do. The house that I live in is going to get torn down. The streets that we drive on, they get torn up, you know, once every four years or whatever. Cars break down. Our bodies grow old and wrinkled and get buried or burned up, whatever it is when we die. But our soul is eternal, our spirit lives on forever. What is our perspective? And it's important because as you go on, and then he's saying in verse 21, the key. And I think this is the key not only to this passage, not only to the Sermon on the Mount, but really for our relationship with God. Because he says, where your treasure lies, whatever you deem to be most important in your life, that's where your heart will lie. What is most important to you? Is it your relationship with God? Is it that He be glorified in everything that you do? Everything I do? Do we look at life from a spiritual perspective or do we look at life from a physical perspective and just inject a spiritual uh, Accent to it. What were the final words that Jesus said here on earth? Acts 1 8, right before he ascended into heaven, he said, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes down. He says, You're going to receive power. The Holy Spirit comes upon you. And when that happens, you will be My witnesses in both Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the remotest parts of the earth. Jesus' final words were, I want you to be My witnesses. The way that you live, the way you conduct yourself, people will know that you are mine. That you speak on my behalf. You speak of who I am. Those were his final words to his believers before he was taken up and before he comes back. Is that what is foremost on our minds? When we wake up in the morning, are we conscious of being a witness for God? Because that was His call for us, to be His witness. Is that what we are looking to do? That whether we're in Reseda, whether we're in Woodland Hills, whether we're in West Hills, whether we're in Sherman Oaks, West LA, Santa Monica, another state, whether we're in another country, are we having the paramount decision to say, I live to be a witness for Christ. That in all I say and all that I do is to the glory of God. That no matter where we are, the grocery store, the bank, sitting in traffic, are we a witness to God? How we conduct ourselves says a lot. Even our body language. Every time I say that, I think of Little Mermaid. Body language. <laughs> but you know, our body language says so much. Whether we are, are, are connected, whether we are engaged in a conversation, whether we are listening intently to what people are saying, or You know what? We're just looking at our watch, kind of looking around, the look on our face. We're just disinterested. And people see that. They recognize it. And how we conduct ourselves to others really shines whether we are of Christ. And it's difficult. It is sometimes. Now, I'll just give an example that a couple of weeks ago, I'm in Santa Monica going to 3rd Street with my kids and uh, my daughter's friend. And sometimes it's just thrust upon you. You're not looking to do anything. We're just standing on a corner, and a lady in a, a motorized chair calls out. And my son, being the, the guy that he is, goes, Dad, she's calling you. <laughs> and I'm just like, What? And uh, she goes, hey, can you push me across the street? This is like, uh, I don't know, 4th and Broadway, somewhere around there. And uh, so I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, no problem. (laughs) So I'm standing behind her, and uh, I'm assuming she might have been homeless. I'm not sure, but I'm just standing there. We're waiting for the light to change. The light changes, right? And it's like one of those motorized ones, and I don't know if they have neutral or not but anyway I start I start pushing and it's like pretty easy I was like oh this is good and as soon as I get into the street it's like somebody put the brake on because there's like no battery life in it so it's like all of a sudden I am pushing and I am pushing my my shoes getting blown off of my foot I've got a bad knee I'm waiting for that to die and I'm looking It's says don't walk and I'm like oh no I'm going to be stuck in the middle of the street I'm just sweating, I'm pushing. I'm like, ah. It's like nothing, Like you know, football in high school is the only thing when you hit the sledding machines, but you're the only one doing it. it Oh, it was heavy, dude. And I'm like just trying to get across the street, and I get across the street right before the light changes. I get up, and I'm like, man. And she goes, oh, no, you got to push me up further. And I was like, oh, my God. I was like, what? So then I push her up to like where the bus stop was. And I'm like, oh my God, this is crazy. She's like, no, 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 no. Like, and I said, and I'm not in a nice way either. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. I was like, all right, hold on. And I called the kids over to help me. She goes, what? No, she looks at me. She goes, you're a big guy. Come on, just push me over. I'm like, you're kidding me. (laughs) So we get her to wherever it was she wanted to go. And I was just like, oh my God, this is crazy. And I say that just because it's like, you know, it I was one of those things that was like, all right, I'm going to do this. And it was just like, just nice, just being nice about it. And I was like, I could have easily just said, oh, well, lady, this is enough. <laughs> yeah. Especially when they're not nice back, you tend to want to just like pull back. But that's not what Christ says. He says if one person says for you to go two miles, you go two miles no matter how heavy and, and, and the brakes are on or whatever it is, and it's like, I got my workout in. You, just, you know, how you look at it. But it's how we, we respond to those opportunities. And that is, is so important. Because he says, where your heart is, if it's for service, if it's for the kingdom... Then, when those situations arise, you're not going to run from them, but you will embrace them. You will take them. Jesus says, you know, where your heart is, you know, what you treasure, that's where your heart's going to be. That's where the the seat of your emotions is going to be. But he says, in those last two verses, 22, 23, 24, he starts speaking of how we get our hearts to be in line with a godly treasure, with a heavenly treasure, is that we are single-minded. He says, if your eye is good, meaning it's single, meaning that it, it is set forth on doing God's work. How we live, how we make our decisions uh, St. Augustine said this concerning the the, the eye, the single eye. And he says, All our works are pure and well-pleasing in the sight of God when they are done with a single intent, i.e., a heavenly intent, having in the end love in view. That we would love people. Paul says, you know, for service to him, he goes, you know, singleness is of great value because then you are not tied to worldly things. But it's to have that premise that it's like, you know what, all that I do, all that I am is God's. And my prayer is that God would use me wherever I am in any situation that I am. There's a book, some of you I've, I've talked to about this in the past. It's called In His Steps by Charles M. Sheldon. It was written in the 1800s. And it had a premise. It was in a small town. A church comes in. A homeless guy comes in. He actually dies in the church. I'm not going to tell you the story. but uh, and And it shapes the whole church. So there's a group of them that get together. And they make a pact. That for one year that they would do nothing, nothing of major importance, no decisions or anything, without first asking themselves this question. And it's a phrase that was made famous in the nineties. WWJD. What would Jesus do? Based out of out of Peter two. And it's a book, and you just you just start to read it and you just see how these lives are changed, some for the better, some not, because they made a decision that they would only do that which they believed Christ would do. And I would highly recommend It's an easy read. It's a great story. And it's, it's In His Steps by Charles Sheldon. I encourage you to get it. And it's, it's a book I love reading over again because it's a reminder of how important it is To have a Christ-focused life. That in the smallest details of life, he's either honored or he's not. What are we doing in our life? Joseph is an example from the Bible. Here's a guy who got a, a vision from God. And he tells his brothers, and they mock him. So he gets another vision from God. And his father rebukes him. He's like, oh, man. And then his brothers say, oh, well, let's kill him. He's hearing his brothers fight over killing him. And they say, oh, no, 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 let's not kill him. Reuben's like, hey, whoa, 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 let's sell him into slavery. We can make a buck and we're rid of him. So he sold it as slave. He like, whoa, God, didn't you give me these visions? And that could have destroyed him, right? But he rose to a good level in Potiphar's house. So he's, Potiphar's being blessed. Joseph's good. Wife comes in, and he's standing firm in his faith of God, his, his employer's trust and purity. And what happens? He gets thrown into jail. Jeez, what in the world, man? I do all this right stuff, and everything keeps falling backwards. And the one thing is, you know, we don't, he may have struggled in trying to understand what God was doing. The Bible doesn't give a full picture. But what is clear is that his faith in God never wavered. He trusted God no matter what happened in his life. His treasure in life was to glorify God. And no matter what, he glorified God. He glorified God while he was at Potiphar's house. In prison, he glorified. God was raised up in prison by the jailer. And then finally, he's raised up to second in command in Egypt. And he said clearly, What you, my brothers, meant for evil, God meant for good. Because I had my eyes focused on the living God. We can't be looking at both. God blesses. Some of us have lived nicer than others. And that has no bearing on saying God loves them more than me. How it works out, I don't know. God does what He does. Praise Him. Right? And what we do is enjoy, be content in where we are and being used by God because you know what? This is but a vapor of time. We are going on to live in eternity. And what we do here ought to live eternally. But if we get sucked up into this point of where we're running after the Joneses and trying to figure out how we can have a better thing just simply for our own satisfaction... Rather than letting God open doors and blessing us, Jesus clearly says that we become unproductive. We become unfruitful. He says if you are more worried about the things of this world, you're like the, the seed that grows up in the thorns and they get choked off. And they are unable to produce fruit. God wants us producing fruit. God wants us to be a people growing for Him. And in the last couple of minutes here, I want to kind of just give you a few things that are reminders of, of, of an action steps that kind of help us to maintain a single eye, a focus on God. The first one is to read the Scriptures, reading the Word of God. Do we spend time in the Scriptures? I'm talking about reading the Word of God so that we are are being bathed in the truth of Scripture. Read the the Bible through in a year. That's great. But also, you know what? You have a lifetime. And I don't think there's going to be St. Peter at the gate giving you a pop quiz on Leviticus. Or to cite certain chapter and verse and give me a commentary on it. But rather, well, how did you, you know, what did you do with the knowledge you had? Soak in the Word of God. Take a verse and just meditate on it for a week. And throughout the day, ponder what it means for you. The Lord is my shield and my rock. It's like, oh, what does that mean for me? What a blessing is that? You know, they have books that are called The Promises of God. And I think a lot of newer Bibles probably have them in the Bible somewhere in the back or, or or wherever, but it's like to study those and to understand who you are in Christ, what you have in Christ. You know, God told Joshua, he says, Don't let the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be careful to obey all that is in it. He said meditate on it. Have it on your lips at all times. Why? So that your actions will mirror the Word of God. So that you don't depart from the truth of God but you know it and you speak it to others. You share it with others. But first, we have to have it. We have to own it. We have to know it. The psalmist says, how does a young man keep his way pure? By knowing the Word of God. By keeping the Word of God. In verse 11 of of, of Psalm 119, he says, I have treasured or I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Is the word of God a treasure to you? Is it something that is worthy to be possessed? To be buried in the heart? How do we look at it? It's the word of God that he has given to us. His very words through the Holy Spirit. Secondly, I'd say, sing songs of praise and worship. Get in your car, be in your house, turn on the music, and just sing. Let it out. Depending on the song, my daughter would tell me to be quiet. Depending on where those, or well, most of the songs, she might tell me that. But it's interesting, because years ago, when I was younger, and cassettes were the thing. I had a cassette of the Campus Crusade for Christ music. And they had the song, How Great Thou Art, with the band. Oh, my God, I loved it. I was just in my car. And I, because it's, you know, How Great Thou Art. I'm not going to sing, because my daughter will get mad. But it's just like, I mean, just belting it out in my car. I loved it. And even now, it's like that. And then uh, Mercy Me's, I can only imagine. Those two songs just pop in. And I'll just be wherever, and I'll just start singing them. Those are songs that just come to me, and it's just like I'll just sing them because it's like, oh Lord, I just want to connect. I just want to praise you. I want to glorify you. You are worthy of all praise, and one of the greatest ways of doing that is singing, and that gets your heart in the right place. And no matter how bad we sing to God, it's it's pleasing. It's a sweet aroma to Him. Thirdly, I'd say pray. Converse with God. Share with Him your heart's desires. Share with Him your aspirations. Share with Him the situations of your life. When we're praying, we not only should be praying for ourselves, but as Pastor B mentioned last week, you know, the Our Father. This is how you pray. The very beginning, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I'm praising God before I do anything else. When I pray, it's how great you are, how beautiful you are. Thank you for all that you do. And I am praying to God. Then I'm praying for others. It's not self-centered. Prayer should never be just about me. But it's about God. It's about others. There's that the acronym, joy. Jesus others yourself. Last is yourself. The bottom rung is our who we are. God others ourselves. Goo. But it's one of these things that it says, you know, uh, uh, George Mueller said this, he goes, the less we read the Word of God, the less our desire to read it is, the less we pray, the less our desire to pray will be. It's something we have to engage ourselves in. Fourthly, I would say, be still and know He is God. God. Prayer, conversing is one thing. And then to say, God, I will sit here and I will wait for you to answer. Because I want your instruction. I want what you have for me. I don't want to spout out on my own and see if you will bless it. No, I want to know what you are leading me into. Hearing from God. And so I don't know how to hear from God. It's like, it comes as we read the scriptures and we allow ourselves to, to be motivated to sit before God because it's oh my gosh, it's what a wonderful thing. And so often you will hear the Holy Spirit say something to you. And I'll do this many times, and I'll be like, hmm. And I'll do something, and I'm like, oh man, that was that was God. And it's like, now I know. Next time I'm going to heed to that. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Because I'll go back and be like the Israelites, just going around and around and keep telling myself I'll do it next time. Because it's so subtle sometimes that the Holy Spirit speaks. We have to be in tune with what He's doing. You know, it was like Christy this morning, she... I drive and walk around L.A. all the time, and I see people and, and just hurting physically and homeless people. But it's just, and the compassion is just like, oh, man. And it's like, I'd love to have the gift of miracles and just heal everybody. I mean, it's like, oh, it's just like glory to God on that. And the heart's there, but the gift isn't. And it's like, oh, it'd be so easy. I just love, and trying to find the balance between my wanting and God's prompting. Two different things. Because sometimes I'll be looking and it's just like, oh God, do you want me to go lay hands on them and pray for a healing? Do you want me to pray, just lay hands and pray? Or should I just pray as I'm driving by? Sometimes it's difficult, isn't it, to to, 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 to get that variation of what we're doing. And I would suggest that sometimes you just need to step out and do, because that's how we learn the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid that, oh my God, I thought I heard God and it didn't work out, so therefore it's obviously, I don't know. It's like, you know what? That's how we learn. The best hitting coaches are the worst hitters in baseball because they understand what it takes to hit the ball. The guys who are gifted at hitting, they're just like, get in there and hit the ball, man. Just like this. Boom, boom, boom. It's like, I can't do that. It takes practice. It takes an understanding. It takes failure, and then to learn from the failure to move forward. Lastly, I would say, and this ties into that, is being obedient. When you hear the prompting of God, when you hear the prompting of the Holy Spirit, be obedient. He has called us into service. He has called us to serve one another in the body of Christ. This is a family. We serve one another through ministry, through hospitality, through you know, home meals when somebody has a baby. Somebody has a death in the family. We're there to comfort. We're doing all these things as a family because we build one another up one another up in Christ to the glory of God. But we're be obedient, even if it means us giving up our own personal time. What's more important? A football game or the glory of God? What's more important than serving the living God? We have to decide for ourselves how we want to live. Where our treasure lies. Like I said, there's nothing wrong with, with wealth, with nice things. In Timothy, Paul says, Timothy, you have those who are wealthy, teach them how to use that, which is their wealth, to the glory of God. For you, have, he's... Blessed them with this wealth for a purpose, for the betterment of the church to the glory of God. And we don't have wealth, we have time. We have energy. We can help somebody move. We can go sit down and have a cup of coffee. We can do lots of things to help others in need that don't cost anything, but time and energy, which God gives us both. He is the purveyor of time and energy. But where does our treasure lie? The worship team can come up. How we are able to move through life really is dependent on what we deem as important. And I'll tell you, I've got kids, and sometimes it it pains me because it's like if I can't afford things that they want, it's like, oh. And I almost it, it, there's that pull of saying, oh, you know, i got to go do something. To, and it's like, you know what? There are lessons to be learned in everything. And I want my kids to see in me a desire for God. That living righteously before God and man is of the highest priority. I don't care if I'm in a cardboard box in a gutter, that God would be glorified in that. That God is my portion. He is my all in all. I find peace in my God. I find peace in who He is. And I just want to encourage you guys today to take that. To... Ponder life and all that it consists of relationships, jobs, school. How do we represent Christ? For you are to be my witness wherever you are, Jesus says. Let's pray. Father, We thank you, we praise you. Be our all in all. Be the desire of our heart. Be our treasure. May we treasure you, hide you in our heart, keep you close to us, that we might live for you. Teach us how to be proper witnesses for you to speak, to be that living epistle to the world that they may open us up and read us, to read that love letter from God to the world because we live for Christ. We thank you, Lord. We praise you this morning. We want to glorify you. We want to praise you. And this morning, the prayer team is going to be up here. And while the worship team is playing, I just want to encourage you that if there's anything in life that is dragging you down, if there's anything in life that is keeping you from being that witness that you desire to be, come to the prayer team and let somebody come alongside of you and pray for you. There's no shame and coming to the prayer team and and saying, I need prayer. I'm weak in this area. We're all weak. We all need to be strengthened. We all need somebody to come alongside of us and prop us up. So I encourage you to come forward just to to seek strength, encouragement, to seek prayer. So we just thank You, Father. We praise you, and may you be glorified in Jesus' name. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.